0: So I think um, you guys you guys do the uh, financial class, the Dave Ramsey class, and I know that's all about how to take care of getting out of debt as well. And so um, some of this might be repetitive. It's just there are all kinds of different ways. This is not as technical as the Dave Ramsey class, but this would be just kind of a primer for that and help you give some Practical ideas and some things you can do to get out of debt. So, we're gonna get cranked up, get started with it. Let's pray and we'll get we'll begin. Okay, Father God, thank you for this time we've had to share together. Thank you for those that make commitments in the worship service. Uh, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing already in our hearts and our lives, and what we've learned already today. Uh, continue to bless our time together, and um, Lord. We just ask your blessings on the rest of our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the Christians should handle money carefully. I think we just realized that from what we just shared in the Bible out of Malachi, that we should uh, take it very seriously how we should handle our money. So if we're going to do that, there's some things we've got to do. First step, we've got to move ownership from ourselves to God. Let's just kind of recap what we did in the first session. And that's where we're talking about Psalm 24.1 the earth is the Lord's and all that's in it. So we gotta move ownership from ourselves. we gotta move it to God. The second thing we gotta do is understand why God allows us to possess money to begin with. And just kinda recap, that was to extend God's kingdom, take care of our families, and I would encourage you, this is like drinking out of a fire hydrant today, so you, you could take these things and go over this and use this as Bible study, And check me out and look up these verses and you'll see where it's coming from all of it's coming right out of the Bible and then last of all to take care of the needy and uh, all these scripture verses are right out of the scripture okay and then we need to be cautious with our debt and so in order to be cautious with the debt you've got to write out a plan of expenditures and order of their importance and so many times Uh, People don't have a spending plan. Well, yeah, they really do. They spend everything they got and then some. That's what a lot of people's spending plan is. You know, we're going to spend everything. Uh, That's why we have to go get more jobs and we got to figure out putting money on credit cards or rolling it from one credit card to another credit card because that's our spending plan. And so you got to start with the needs, define your wants. and understand your desires. And so that's a hard thing for some people to do is determine what is a want and what is a desire. What is something I really want and what is something I really would desire. And have a savings account. And use debt only when it's necessary. Now the thing about getting out of debt is if you're gonna get out of debt it's it's gonna make you feel like you're paying twice. Because you're paying off debt and you're paying for everything cash at the same time. So it's going to make you feel like you're in pain because you're trying to get out of debt and you're paying everything with cash to begin, uh, as you're trying to get out of debt. So the other step is step four is follow a biblical plan for giving. So you've got to start with a tithe. Remember, you're going to start with a tithe because the tithe is the Lord's. And then include the offering. So you start with the tithe. That means you've got to give God his 10% first. And then let God do a miracle with the other 90%. So I'll say that again in case you didn't catch it. You give God his 10% first. And then let God do a miracle with the other 90%. And trust me, he'll do a miracle with it. If you don't give God his money first, what you'll wind up doing is you'll get to the end of your month, and you'll wind up saying, we can't afford to tithe. <clears throat> and then you won't, give, you won't give God his money, and that's where people wind up robbing God. So you've got to write your tithe check first. And then let God do a miracle with what's left of it. And what usually is we start right the opposite, and we give God leftovers. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I don't like to eat leftovers. Out of the refrigerator, do you think God wants our leftovers? Every time in the Bible, he talks about first fruits. That's what I was talking about earlier. First fruit offering means we give God what's first, not what's left. Okay, so we've got to start with a the tithe. Then we include an offering, what well, we're going to give God as an offering. And. Then we don't forget our responsibility to take care of those that are poor. Then uh, step number five is recognize God's provision. Philippians 4.19 says, God will supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. In other words, God's got it all. If God's got it all, He's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of my needs. What do I need? Well, we just had our needs met right now. We got clothes on. We got food. And we got shelter. It may not be the fanciest, but we got all those things. Those are our basic needs: food, clothing, and shelter. Um, and it may not be what everybody else has got, but those are the basic needs that people have. And then stay away from excesses. Excesses is what gets us in trouble and gets us to spending a dollar and nineteen cent out of every dollar instead of uh, staying below and getting spending right. Uh, we're staying within our means and they don't make snap decisions My mother tells a story about where her and my dad when they first got married made a snap decision because she was staying at home with me And that was back when TVs were just coming out I know I don't look that old, but that's when it was and she said that she was bored out of her mind keeping a baby and she wanted to watch TV and so she made a decision when dad was tired and getting home from work one night she said can we go buy a tv and she bought it on terms where you just go to the store and you buy pay a little bit on every month and uh, at the furniture store and she probably paid about three times as much as that tv was actually worth and uh, they made a snap decision to pay for it and they wound up not being able to pay for the tv and what did happen well, back then, the, the come and get it man came and repossessed the television because they couldn't pay for the TV because it was a snap decision and she had no concept of how much that television cost. They called it the repo man. My brother used to do repos, and I used to accompany him on repos. That was not a whole lot of fun going getting get people's stuff when they didn't pay for it. And so, don't make snap decisions, and we've all done that before. Y'all ever gone to those um, timeshare things when you're on vacation? Because they're gonna give you a free gift, and all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, I've signed on something that I don't need, and I can't pay for it, and how am I gonna get out of it? And so, we make snap decisions all the time. So here's some tips for money management. First of all, use a spending plan. So what we have to do is start with available income. And uh, so start with the available income we have, tithe and IRS taxes. We have to put those things down and then determine our net spendable income. And then the next step is we got to stay within your spending plan. That's the reason you put a plan together to begin with, so that you stay within the plan and you work the plan. If you don't work the plan, there's no need to have a plan to begin with. You got to stay within the plan so that you don't let debt get out of control. And then manage your checkbook. It amazes me how many people don't manage a checkbook, don't balance a checkbook. They used to teach that in school. They don't even teach that anymore. And uh, my brother, When he went off to college, never balanced his checkbook. Well, he thought he was because all he did was round it off to the nearest dollar. And then mother would say, son, you know, she was a, my dad died early in life. And so she said, he called and said, I don't have any money in my account, mom. I need more money. Y'all never had kids do that, did you? I need more money. And she said, well, did you balance your checkbook? You should have money in your account. Well, he was about rounding it off, down, rounding it down, rounding it up. And because he never balanced his checkbook, he didn't know how much he had. And don't use credit cards wrongly. And the way to use them wrongly is if you use them and don't pay off the balance at the end of the month. <clears throat> so I want to share with you what we teach is basically a ten, seventy, twenty 20 plan. Now, the ten, seventy, twenty 20 plan is is simply this. You save 10%. Save 10% of your income, and the first goal is an emergency fund of three months. Now, I said that earlier. Why would you need three months emergency fund? Because if you're disabled, it takes three months to get disability insurance started. And so you need to really have about three months of your income set aside. In the event that you need it, you've got three months of income set aside to pay your bills so that you're not in trouble before that. And then the second goal is if you have three months of emergency, then you could do cash buying. You could buy with cash rather than buy other ways. And then your living expenses, the 10 20 plan, is you live off 70% of your income, not 119% of your income. You okay? So not 119%, but 70% of your income. Now that's a whole lot different than the world tells you. So instead of spending 119%, you gotta adjust to 70%. And then you're gonna use 20% for debt reduction. That's how you're gonna get out of debt. You gotta have some margin there to put toward your debt. That's where you're going to pay off your credit cards and you face the debt head on. So let's talk about how you're going to do that. How's that 1070-20 plan work? Well, you're going to start with the total income. Okay? And your living expenses. Uh, well, let's see. Wait a minute. Um, back up there. Back up again, please, sir. Um, here's your uh, Back up one more time. So that, that's the 10, 70, 20 right there. Let's go to the next slide. So here's your living expenses, the 70%. Here's the things you're going to put on there. Your house payment, mortgage rent, property tax, all those kind of things. Repair and upkeep. I can't tell you how many young couples don't ever put anything aside for repair and upkeep. Anything you own, you've got to keep it up. You gotta repair it, you gotta fix it, you gotta keep it up. And uh, I'm not just implying young people do that, but I see it most often with young folks. And so all that stuff has to be part of that 70%. And car expenses, same thing. That car's gotta be repaired, you gotta have tires for it, you gotta have oil, gas, all those things. So all that's gotta be part of that 70%. Next slide, please, sir. Uh, Also part of that 70% is all these things. Now you just think about your own spending plan, and if you put together a budget, that's what we're talking about here. The things that you budget every month, do you include all these things in your spending plan? Every month. Because all those things are things that you spend. All the way down to dry cleaning, vacations, all of those kind of things, reading material, I don't know that anybody don't go to the grocery store. What do they do when they get in the grocery store? Right up there when you're waiting to check out for the grocery store, what do you sell those magazines? Why do they put them there? Because while you're waiting, they want you to buy one of them. And those things aren't cheap, are they? And the reality of it is, well, they put those all that candy there for those young mothers and all those other things there uh, for those kids to say, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. And it's all the it's all that marketed stuff they do to get us to buy extra stuff and the reality of it is all that extra stuff costs us money and so we have to get all of those things now you might say I don't even know what all I spend best way to find out what you spend is keep a, res- a receipt on everything you spend for a whole month and you'll be surprised what you spend. Anybody ever done that before? At least a month will show you what you spend, if not more. And then you can start building these categories. And then you'll find out how much, like Caleb was talking about, how much you how many times you went to spa uh to Starbucks or by the quick trip on the way home from work or whatever you did to get a drink here or a coke there or whatever, and how much all that stuff cost you. And um, you know, Then you will know where your money went. And so you need to know where the money goes. So you can put your spending plan together and put together your budget. And so you need to do that. Here's some things you need to watch. Uh, Expensive foods, eating out. And if you notice, most times you go to eat out, you can share a meal. Uh, Rather than take it home, put it in the refrigerator, and then it usually goes in the garbage can, don't it? Uh, Unless you're running a test for the University of Georgia. It grows hair and all mold and all kind of stuff on it, you know, after a while. Uh, Furnishings and equipment, life insurance. Because usually on life insurance, we need to buy protection. It's not designed as a savings plan. And clothes, shop sales, don't overbuy. You know, I had to explain to that to my wife and my daughters, you know. When you go to shop a sale... And you go on belt, and they say this is on sale, and you want to put it on your belt card, and you put it on your belt card, and it's on sale for twenty percent off, and you put it on the belt card, and they charge you thirty percent interest on it. You haven't bought anything on sale. You actually paid more for it if you didn't pay it off at the end of the month. And the reality of it is, we got to think about those things, and don't overbuy when you're on a limited income. Next slide, please, sir. Okay, so here's what you've got to think about. From your gross earnings, you've got to think about this. You get to that 70-20 plan. Uh, net income and working income. You're going to save 10 percent. You're going to uh, expense 70 percent. Debt investing, giving, uh, et cetera, 20 percent. So you're going to subtract your tithe, your income, social security tax. Okay, go on to the next one, please, sir. <clears throat> Here's an example. Let's say, just for talking purposes, you got a gross income of $60,000. You're gonna tithe 6000 Your taxes are 15%, and that's probably low nowadays. Just like I said, this is just for talking purposes. So your net working income is $45,000, right? But in order to get to the that's how much your working income is, after your tithe, because that's whose money, the Lord's money. It's not yours. So your working income is forty-five. So, do the ten, seventy, twenty plan. You take ten percent of that for savings. Your living expense is thirty-one-five, and your debt reduction is nine for a total of five thousand, uh, forty-five thousand. So. When you go to apply for a loan, they're looking at your W 2, correct? And they're looking at your 45, they're looking at your income at 60, they're not looking at 31.5, correct? So if you're gonna get out of debt, you gotta tell them, I'm not looking for a loan off of 60, I'm looking at a loan off of 31.5. You follow me? You go to these people that are doing consumer credit counseling to get you out of debt, and they're going to say, forget about that tie stuff up there you're trying to get out of debt. But if you're a believer, you can't forget about that. That's not your money. And you go to apply for or qualify for a loan for a car or for a house, they're going to qualify you for more than you actually can buy. That's why most people nowadays are over buying houses and cars. You okay out there? Because they bought more house than they can really afford. And they bought more car than they can really afford because they spent their tithe money and their offering money on a house payment. Because they don't have a spending plan, they're spending their money on other things. And so they, that's why you can't get out of debt. So you've got to come up with. What's the number you can afford, and you got to figure what that play, that number is. So that's why you got to come up with what those percentages are. Okay, let's go to the next one, Caleb. All right. So here's how you got to make it work. Start with your total gross income, and uh, take out the tithe. We're back to the outline there. If you're following with me on the outline. You got to have the uh, ten percent on the savings, and you're getting out of your working income, and uh, the emergency fund, the cash buying fund, and those kind of things. And uh, then you got you you put that savings in an interest bearing account. Next slide. And then you got some options now. The thing about it is, on the website, you got a spending plan, so you can do a budget. So you can go to the Gratis website, and a a, an example of a spending plan is there. So once you figure out how much you're spending for what, you can take and you can put a budget. Download your budget sheet. If you got Excel, most people have Excel. You can take that budget sheet and you can figure out how much you're spending. So you can come up with a spending plan for your household. And then these two options are also there, and the formulas are already on there for you to figure out what option you need to use. So what you're gonna try to figure out here is, if you're using 20% of your working income is greater than your required payments, and let's say you've got available for debt payment, out of your 20%, you got $625. Again, this is an example. Here's what you've listed as your creditors. This is what you owe people. These are the balances you owe folks. And this is what's required. And this is how much you owe them. There's also gonna be a sheet there. I think it's on there for you to be able to say, here's what my payments are to each one of these these creditors that I owe. So I think there's arrow key there that comes up, Caleb. Uh, If you'll click it one more time. So you see down at the bottom there, the total required for you to pay is, um, is less than the amount that you've got to pay. So you've got $625 available, but you're only paying $545. So you've got $80 extra. So basically, you're going to add that $80 to the $30 that's required to pay off Dillard's And so you're going to pay the $80 additional to that Dillard's account and pay it off early. When you pay it off early, then you're going to wind up having how much? $110 extra. And you add the $110 to the pennies bill and pay the pennies account off and pay it off early and work down the list until you get them all paid off. Make sense? And you pay off the debts early. So that's one option. Depending on what your income is. The second option works right the opposite. This option is where you figure out what is the percentage interest, uh, I mean, percentage of debt. So you're looking at the balance due. You got Arrow Key on here too, Caleb. Um, So here you've got the balance. The biggest balance is balance due to Visa $4,500, which is 21% of the payment that I've got. And you've got more to pay off than you've got money. You can only pay $625 a month toward your debt repayment. And so I gotta figure out how much is 21% of that? 21% of it is $135. So I'm gonna take that $135 and I'm gonna tell Visa, I can only pay you $135. Now you might say, they're not going to let me do that. If you tell them that's all you can pay them, they might accept $135 rather than accepting zero. Makes sense? And there's a sample letter that you can write to your creditor on the website too to say, hey, uh, right now I got myself in a pinch and I'm trying to get myself out of a pinch. And until I can do better, this is how much I can pay you. Will you accept this payment? And then you do every one of your debts by percentage till you get down and pay them the amount that you owe. Do you see where dealers went to there? That's only 3% of your debt. You pay them twenty-one twenty-five until you pay it off. Okay, let's go to the next slide. So basically, you're using 70% of your income for fixed or living expenses. That's the next slide on your, uh, on your uh, outline. 20% for debt retirement. And when the debts, debts are paid off, what are you going to do with that 20%? Future planning. What are you going to do for the future? Future planning means you've got to invest in the future. And there's some reasons to invest. It might be to give. It might be for living expense to help children get to college, um, help your grown children or grandchildren, ensure a certain lifestyle, or to, um, or to leave money in your estate for some purpose. Like, for example, my estate. if there's anything left when I leave this world, um, a portion of my state's going to our New Work Foundation. When your church got ready to purchase property out there at Gratis, our New Work Foundation gave your church a matching grant, $25,000. I give money every month to our New Work Foundation because churches are going to go on till Jesus comes again. I want to invest in churches that invest in people's life. And so my state already has in my will... I'm going to give to missions and to church planting because I've given my life to that. So I'm going to be giving beyond my lifetime out of my will. And so that's what I'm going to be doing into the future. Am I saying you need to do that? No, but you need to be thinking about the future and what could you give beyond your lifetime that's going to make any difference for eternity in somebody else's life. Number two is financial freedom for the future includes training for your children to handle money. Teach children the proper attitude toward money. And most folks aren't doing that. Teach biblical principles in the home. And um, then there, here's another thing in regard to that. It's an amortization schedule. You know, one of the things you might want to do is think about paying off your house early making extra payments on your house, pay your house off early. And what you need to do on that is get an amortization schedule that shows, ask your mortgage company, give them an amortization schedule of all my house payments for my 30-year mortgage or my 20-year, whatever you got, 15-year mortgage, and pay your first and last payment. You might say, gosh, I can't do that. Well, guess what, your last payment is primarily just your principal. Your first payment is primarily what? Interest. And so when you pay your last payment, you're paying very little amount because it's only principal. And you add it to your first payment and you're not paying double. If you're paying like 1000 plus a month right now, you're only adding just a few hundred dollars and you're paying two payments because it's going straight to principal. And you can pay your house off twice as fast as you're doing by doing so. And so you can do that by getting your schedule. You see the principal here? The end payment there is 720-something dollars, the beginning balance, and see how that would work. Next next slide, please, sir. So here's what we should do. You gotta do the future planning. Invest in the future so we can give I just went over those things. It's on the outline there. Um, help them with a the college education. What's going to happen when I'm gone? Give to your children. Teach them attitude toward money and uh, those principles in the home. And I think we need to teach our children God's ownership, that we don't own anything and uh, that it doesn't belong to us, and the value of money. I think that's the next thing on the slide. Um, Yep, the value of money. You do that by example. You know, when when you start getting your children to pay for stuff, they realize that money don't go as far as they thought it did, does it? And then teach the abilities for handling finances. They need to develop a financial plan. And um, as they grow older, allow them to make some decisions, let them fail. You know, some people don't let kids fail anymore. They need to learn that that's okay in order to do that. And um, teach them to how to use allowance and use it wisely. And... Um, then number three, I kind of got ahead of myself, let y'all get these down there, as they grow old, allow children to earn money by doing things around the house, to work outside the home, teach them to do stuff without pay for somebody else, and teach them how to make purchases, and say insist they have a saving account, and then in they need to have a checking account, too, and know how to handle one of those. So the bottom line is God is owner. We've got to have the right priorities. And the goal is they need to be debt-free and to plan for their future. And you and I need to be good examples of that. So I hope you'll take, go on the website, get those sheets, and use those as examples.